0: Um, Well, so glad you guys are here for this 4th of July weekend. Hopefully you guys got to have some extra family time and celebrate the holiday in some ways with uh, your family and loved ones. We uh, decided, my family decided to surprise my parents in Tennessee, and so we actually went down there on Tuesday night, Um, and I've never done that before, um, but we surprised my dad. My dad's birthday is actually the 4th, so it was really cool. We got to spend a few days with him and then flew back yesterday. Um, but I had an epiphany while I was there in Tennessee. That's where I grew up, but I've lived here for two years now. Um, and I realized um, in the conversations I was having with my friends in Tennessee, that I have like fully become a New Englander in just two years. Um, and like I now feel like responsible to defend the sports teams, um, which, like what you probably know, hopefully, is that everybody outside of New England hates New England teams, and don't take it personally. It's because we're just better at everything, right? And so I was reminding people at this party that uh, we won the Super Bowl uh, and we won the World Series, and I said we won the Stanley Cup because they don't watch hockey and they don't. We just I just rounded up a little bit on that one. Like we almost won the Stanley Cup, so they're like, oh yeah, you probably won it. We don't know. Uh, and, and I was, like, bragging about it, and then one of the guys at the party is, like, the only reason you win the Super Bowl is because Tom Brady's a cheater, and, and so I slapped him. <laughs> and I wouldn't have done that two years ago, but now I feel fully responsible to defend my teams. Like, when I first moved here, I said I was going to take on all the sports teams, and it's kind of like if you went to college that had, like, a basketball or a football team, like... You want to cheer for them because it's your team, but like, you know that at the very beginning, you're kind of forcing it. Like, it doesn't feel like your team yet. Um, that's what the first few seasons were like, and now like, I fully defend Tom Brady. So I'm, I'm one of you. I'm among you. Um, but you know what it reminded me is like, I've only been here two years, which for some of you would say, well, you've been here your whole life, and your family's been here their whole lives too, um, but I feel responsible for this town. This is my home, and I love it here. And that's what we're talking about today is that where God has you, he has you there for a reason, and that's your home, and he wants you to take responsibility for that zip code. We're in a series right now called Scoreboard, um, and we're looking at the different behaviors that a growing Christ follower should have if they're growing in their faith And they're growing closer to God. These are behaviors that should become more and more evident We started the series a few weeks ago by talking about being intentional that somebody who's growing closer to God should become More intentional in helping others find faith that someone who's growing closer to Christ and growing in their faith should become more relational in connecting with other christ followers someone that's growing closer should become more generous with what god has given them someone who's growing in their faith like another marker would be that they're becoming more involved in in the church family and like we talked about um like god's church is a puzzle and you are a piece of that puzzle and god has given you specific passions and gifts regardless of your age and regardless of how long you've been following christ whether you're a teenager or a senior adult like god has a purpose for you to play and we want you to we want to help you discover what that is so you can get more and more involved and then last week we talked about something that i'm especially passionate about um, being devoted in your faith and living out a godly example at home with your family which it like for most of us, that's for most of us that's easier said than done and this week as we continue on um, I, it's something i'm really excited about because there are people here right now that are a part of grace church because they've seen this particular quality lived out before they ever stepped into this building i think that the group of people that make up grace church do this really well, and that's being responsible, and I don't mean responsible in your daily decisions, I mean responsible for your community, that you are taking responsibility for the people around you, that you are looking for ways to bless your community, Uh, because we absolutely believe that every Christ follower's responsibility is to care for the community that they live in and the people around them that everybody, whether you're a Christ follower or not, feels responsibility for the people that they love, for their family, for their closest friends, but God came in and he set a higher standard for those who are willing to follow him. He said, I don't just want you to take responsibility for those that live in your house and those that you call your closest friends. You're also responsible for the strangers in your town and you're responsible for your neighbor and you're responsible for meeting the needs that exist in your community. And so we're gonna be looking at two passages that, that model for us and show us what God means when he talks about that. Because here at Grace Church, what we try to do is we try to do corporately what God asks all of us to do individually. And so being responsible for meeting and blessing the needs in our community, as a church, we do that collectively. So we have like this kids camp, which is just a free gift to the community. We have our movie night, which is this Friday night. Which, by the way, if you haven't signed up, you can. We anticipate it'll be the largest event that Grace Church West Bridgewater has ever hosted. Last movie night, even with it being like 59 degrees, um, we had like over 500 people come. And most of those people are not from Grace Church. Those are people from the community. If you want to be a part of that, it's this Friday at Legion Field, 7 o'clock. At Sunset, we'll be showing the second Wreck-It Ralph movie. Everything is free, um, unlike all of these Fourth of July festivals we go to. You know what I'm saying? It's like a trap, by the way. Like, we go, and, like, you go, and the festival's free, but then everything costs money. So we went, and, like, the, the one we went to in Tennessee, it had pony rides, and they were $5, and it lasted, like, 90 seconds. But, like, you kind of have to go because when your four-year-old's crying and there's a horse right there and there's an opportunity, I can't say, sorry, we're going to spend $5 so Daddy can eat more food. Like, I had to be a little bit more generous that way. But, like, these events that we do, everything's free because we don't want to ever ask anything from the community. We just want to be there to serve the community. So the hot dogs are free. The popcorn's free. The airbrush tattoos are free. And, like, everything, the, the inflatables, the movie, we don't ask for a dollar from it. We do that as a group. But what we're talking about here, and what my challenge to you is, is for you to ask yourself, regardless of what town you live in, how can you do this individually? How can you bless the people around you and bless your community? So the first passage we're going to look at is in Jeremiah chapter 29, um, and we're going to start in verse 4. And Jeremiah is about... About halfway through the bible if you have a paper copy we'll have it up on the screens as well or on or you can pull up on your phone Um, here's what's happening in the context of the bible at this point Um, the old testament is the story of god creating uh, man and woman and him trying to have a loving relationship with them but man and woman constantly rebelling against god and god continuing to send uh like kings and judges and prophets to remind his people that he's there to have a relationship with him Um, so the last part of the old testament are the books of the prophets. Um, And some are longer books, those are called the major prophets, and some are shorter books. Um, So this is one of those stories of God using a prophet, a guy named Jeremiah, to call his people to return to him because they've forgotten about him and they've lived in their disobedient ways and he's trying to call them back. At this point, um, God's people have basically been exiled out of their towns. The towns that their grandfathers and and like like the houses that they grew up in, they've been gone and they've been gone for a while and they've been waiting for God to rise up somebody to bring them back. And it's called the Babylonian exile. Some of you may have heard that before. And they're just, they're sitting there waiting uh, to go back home. It'd be like if a bunch of terrorists came in and kicked us out of our towns and we had to move to the horrible land of Rhode Island and just stay there. And it's like, when are we going back to our towns? And so God gives this charge to them. Here's what it says, verse 4. This is what the Lord of heaven's armies, the God of Israel, says to all the captives he has exiled from Jerusalem. And by the way, whenever it says the Lord of heaven's armies, that's actually military language. It's it's almost saying that like God is the commander-in-chief and his people, his children, his church family, we are his army. So these are like him this is like him giving us our marching orders. Here's what it says. Build homes and plan to stay, plant gardens and eat the food they produce. Marry and have children. Then find spouses for them so that they may have many grandchildren. So that you may have many grandchildren. Multiply, do not dwindle away. So what God is trying to help these people realize is where you are right now is exactly where I want you to be. And sometimes we focus so much on how we want to leave the season of life that we're in or just get through it that we miss what God is trying to do where we are right now. And what he's trying to say to them is, you're spending the, le- the rest of your life here. So stop focusing so much on me delivering you out of it and start learning to be content. And some of us, for a long time, we've been praying to God, prayers, God, will you change this? Will you take this away? Will you add this? Will you change my life because I don't like how it is right now? And maybe the reason that God's not answering that is he's waiting for you to develop a heart of contentment because it takes more faith to be content when things aren't going the way you want it to than to pray a prayer of God, just take me out of it. And so he's telling them, I have you where I want you to be. It's not by mistake. Where you are, Your zip code that you live in now, God has you there for a reason. Verse seven, work for the peace and the prosperity of the city where I sent you into exile. Pray to the Lord for it, for its welfare will determine your welfare. How many of us actually pray for the well-being of our town or our city? That's the kind of heart that God's looking for because if we truly take responsibility for the community in which we live, then we want to see it get better. Then we want to pray for it. Then we're asking God, will you work in this town? Will you help meet the needs of the people in this town? One of the signs of a growing Christ follower, I actively, I actively help people around me. Not just the people that you know and that you trust, but the people you don't know. Because God's saying, I've given you responsibility for them too. That as Christ followers, we're to be leading the charge of meeting the needs of the people in the community. And every person here has different passions and gifts and strengths. Like God gave you a heart to care about very specific certain things that maybe your neighbor doesn't care as much about. And it doesn't mean that they love God less. It's that God wired them differently than you. And you need to pay attention to what those passions are. Because I believe, I absolutely believe that God has called Christ followers, has called the church to be the ones that are leading the charge in our communities to help meet the needs, to go above and beyond, to be radically generous in helping people around us. That if there's brokenness in our community, we should be the first ones responding. That if there's, if there's some tragedy that happens, we should be the first ones there. If there's a great need in our community, we should be the ones that are helping with it. We shouldn't have to depend on anybody else outside the church to take care of the needs because God's saying, you're responsible. I have put you here to help these people. One of the ways that I think that I can tell how effective I'm being in reaching the people around me is this. How much would the town miss me if I had to leave? Like if you left the town that you live in, the community you live in, would would the people even notice? Would the people care? Or would your neighbors lament and mourn that you're leaving, because you're leaving such a large hole? Would the people in the town be so sad and brokenhearted because you are so involved in helping serve the people around you that you're leaving all of these holes behind? To me, my prayer is that Grace Church is the kind of church, it's the kind of group of people that if we ever had to close our doors, the the town would mourn. Not just the people that come here, But the town, the people that are never connected with us, that never come on a Sunday, that they would be sad because we as a group of people are so actively involved in serving the needs outside of our church building that they would see immediate holes if we weren't there anymore. It's like if your company ever had somebody that quit their job and like after they left you realized how many things they did and you don't realize it until they're gone, like that... That's my prayer, is that as a church, our, our focus isn't just on helping the people in this room. We do feel a responsibility th- to that as well, but it's, it's looking towards the people that might not ever come here and saying, we take responsibility for helping them too. I went to two colleges when I was uh, in college. That was a good sentence. Um, and, uh, and freshman year, I went to a school, Southern Illinois University, and it's like one of those experiences where, like, a, like four hours after you got there, you realize you don't like it, you don't want to go, but you've already signed up for the year, you know what I'm saying? Uh, like, So I'm like, ah, this isn't the vibe that I thought it would be. I realized I wanted to study something else, and, and so I was there for a year, but I didn't really invest that much into the people around me. Like, I spent more time talking to my friends that went to other schools. Um, and and hanging out with high school friends. Like I didn't really own and take responsibility that that was my school. I put in the bare minimum. And then at the end of the year, when when everyone was like packing up, I like told the people in my hall, I was like, hey man, just so you know, I'm transferring, I'm not coming back. And they're like, oh cool, who are you again? Like what are you, do you even go here? Like nobody knew who I was. They didn't know my name. They didn't know really anything about me because I didn't really invest that much into it. So like for me leaving, it meant nothing to them. Which was different than when I transferred to the school Belmont um, in Nashville and, and I loved it right off the bat and I just invested differently in that school and my time there and I got really involved and I became an RA and I joined a fraternity and I got involved in different campus clubs and when I graduated and had to leave because I was done with my degree like there were like we had parties and stuff and there were like students that I like I was their RA and they like threw me a farewell party. That was the difference. Is I actually took time to invest in the people around me, and, and I look at the two, and I said, "Okay, I never really took responsibility for the campus that I went freshman year, but after that, my mindset changed." And and I think that, I think that what God wants is for us to to give the kind of investment that we own where we live, that we aren't like we don't spend so much time complaining about the problems in our town, but we spend time thinking of how we can serve and make it better and improve. The issues in our town. Some of you are here right now because you had a friend or a family member that served you, and you're here because of that. Or you're here because somebody at this church or at another local church connected with you and served you outside of a church building, and it warmed up the idea of going to a church church for you. And some of the barriers that you had for going were knocked down a little bit when you realized that this group of people were a little different than how the news depicts a church to be. There's families I know that are here because their neighbors took responsibility for them and felt a burden for them. I think of my friends Tony and Kim Shavs who are like they know Jesus and their family is walking with Jesus and a huge reason for that is because their neighbors prayed for them And pursued them and knew that God had a better plan for their lives than they could ever dream up on their own and it's not like their life was falling apart before they knew God they just knew God had something better and they brought them to Grace Church and they started following Jesus and now their kids are following Jesus and one of the kids Nick got baptized by his dad on this platform just a few months ago all of that began because neighbors took responsibility for their neighbors And they said, we know God has something better for us. And now, like, it's so cool to see this one family who is is impacting and reaching and encouraging so many other families in our church, and it began with a neighbor taking responsibility for another neighbor. That's the kind of responsibility that God calls us to. I want to look at one more passage um, uh, in Matthew chapter 14 where Jesus kind of, he shows us in a practical way what this looks like for us to take responsibility for the people around us, even the people whose names we do not know. Matthew chapter 14, verse 13 is where it starts, and this is kind of like right in the middle of Jesus's ministry, Um, and here's what it says. It says, as soon as Jesus heard this news, he left in a boat to a remote area to be alone. The news that he heard was he just found out in a few verses before this that one of his close friends, John the Baptist, had just been killed by the king. Who's heard of John the Baptist before? Bunch of us have right. Uh, so John the Baptist was used by God to basically pave the way for Jesus. Um, and before Jesus went into all the towns that he did ministry, like God called John the Baptist to go in before him and say, "Hey, the Messiah that you Jews have all been waiting for for centuries and centuries, he's coming soon. So repent now, prepare your hearts now." And John the Baptist would baptize people. Like he actually like planted all the seeds in these towns, and Jesus came and watered them, and, and like. So, like, this was a close friend of Jesus's, and he just found out that he died. And he didn't just die. Like, the king sought him out and chopped off his head. And it sent a message to anybody that wanted to follow Jesus that this is real, and that they're coming for Jesus too. And Jesus finds this news out, and just like any other person who finds out that a close friend had died, he just wanted to be alone. Because if if you found out that a family member or a friend died, you wouldn't want to go and just keep going to work, right? Like you'd want to withdraw and just grieve on your own. And so he tries to hide in this boat. Verse 13, but, but the crowds heard where he was headed and followed on foot for many towns. But look how Jesus responds, even like with all this raw pain. Like I could not imagine trying to continue to encourage and, and reach and lead people while i'm dealing with this grief but here's how jesus he's not annoyed or irritated that that they're they're knocking on his door verse 14 jesus saw the huge crowd as he stepped from the boat and he had compassion on them and he healed the sick and i love that verse because sometimes i wonder like when matthew wrote that like he saw it in jesus's face that he had compassion on the people And the disciples were probably doing everything they can to like hold back this crowd and say jesus needs to be alone jesus needs to be alone but then jesus emerges from the boat he just sees he has compassion on him like some of us struggle with that right like some some of you are willing to admit that you're not as compassionate as you could be especially towards people that are different than you people that believe different people that vote differently Jesus shows us this way of being compassionate. By the way, if if you struggle with compassion towards the people around you or towards your neighbors that you barely know or towards your town, like here's a really good next step. I'm going to give this like a little uh, really practical one. Blesseveryhome.com is the website. Blesseveryhome.com. I discovered this um, like six months ago. And what you do is you type in, it's, it's connected with the U.S. Census, and with, it was made by a church, and it's connected with the U.S. Census and with the Yellow Pages. And so they have everybody's name and address, um, like all the public records that you could. And you type in your name and your, your home address, and what it does, it's really cool, is every morning it emails me five neighbors, their name and their address, to pray for that day. Isn't that cool? And it kind of does it on a rotation, so it doesn't like keep going out to where now I'm praying for people in New York. I mean, it's just like this small little radius, and it kind of resets every few days, and then it goes back, and then it, like, because eventually these people aren't your neighbors anymore when they live five streets away. Um, But I'm learning their names, uh, which is a really good tool for a stalker, too, I guess, so don't (laughs) use it for that. Um, But here's what's cool about it. I think everybody in this room could say there's at least one neighbor on their street they've never met, and they don't know their name. Most of us would say, I don't know most of the people on my streets, even if you've been living there for years and years. What this does is this puts like a name to the face. Like you might see them mowing their lawn. And it doesn't mean you have to go up and say, hey, this website told me your name and I've been praying for you, man. That's weird. Don't do that, right? Um, But you can pray for them by name. Like you know who they are now. And what, at the least, what it is for me is it's a daily reminder. I need to be praying for my town. I need to be praying for my neighbors. And there's some neighbors that I've met. That were on that list. And I recognized when they said that they, oh, I live like the house kind of behind you. And like I searched through my emails and I was like, there they are right there. I've been praying for them and I like now I finally know who they are. That's a really cool website. I would encourage all of you guys to do it. It's free, it doesn't cost anything. All it does is send you an email, it doesn't do anything more. But here's what I found is when you start to pray for somebody every day, um, your heart changes towards them. When you start to pray for a person every day, even if you don't know who they are, your heart starts to shift that way and you start to think more about it. And I start to think more about how can I, like what can I do to encourage or bless my neighbors? Like especially, like they don't even want to answer the door when I talk to them. So God, just give me opportunities. Even if it's like I'm mowing my lawn and they're mowing my lawn and I just get anything I can do to initiate a conversation with them, I just want to do that. You'd be surprised if you started to pray that direction what God might do. Verse 15, that evening, So Jesus has been doing ministry now for hours. He's been grieving, but he's been interrupted. So now he's doing ministry and like he's serving, he's healing, like he's helping. People are just coming one by one. He's healing them. Next line. And there's thousands of people. He's just been doing this for hours. And so the disciples are trying to protect Jesus because they know that people are tired and hungry. So that evening, the disciples came to him and said, this is a remote place and it's already getting late. Send the crowds away so that they can go to the villages and buy food for themselves. Look how Jesus responds. That isn't necessary. You feed them. Now notice the difference between these two responses. The disciples say, we don't know these people. We're not responsible for them. Send them away. We've done enough. Jesus, you've gone out of your way to help them. And what does Jesus say? We can do more. We're responsible for them. Because there's thousands of people there, and Jesus knew that sending a lot of them home, based on how poor they were, meant... They might not even eat that night they might just go to bed like they may be lucky to have one meal and so the disciples who aren't I don't think they're being selfish I just don't think they've ever thought about the fact that this group of strangers around them that Jesus actually wants them to take responsibility for helping them like just like most of us I I don't think that we're being selfish if we don't think this direction I just think it's a new standard it's a higher standard than what our human nature drifts towards and Jesus is saying actually I think we should feed them just like we'd feed each other, because this is who I came here to reach. These are the thou- like these thousands of people, even though I don't know their name, Like I- we take responsibility for them. And what he's showing us is that a sign of a growing Christ follower is that I contribute to the well-being in my neighborhood. That if you see a need, you don't just send it away. You say, let me help. And that's a different mindset, isn't it? Because I think, I think one thing that New England is better about than any other part of the country is complaining. We are really good at complaining, right? Like we are the best complainers I've ever met in my life. We're great at it, like world class. Like they write books about it, it's amazing. We're really good at it. We're good at sports and complaining, right? What is complaining? Complaining means you're pushing responsibility on someone else. See, our human nature is to, set, is to be upset when the world's falling apart. Not taking responsibility for it, But, ah, they did this again. Ah, they did this again. Ah, Some some people can't even be happy on July 4th because all we think about is our nation's falling apart, and it used to be this much better. When we complain, we're pushing off responsibility that God has tried to put on us. And we're saying, it's their fault. They need to fix it. Until then, I'm going to sit here and complain about it. But God doesn't allow us to take a bench seat and just watch it happen. God has a responsibility for us to play. It's really easy to complain. And that's what most of the world does. And what God's saying, no, 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 you don't send it away, we do something about it. We should be the ones leading the charge in this stuff, not outsourcing it and blaming everybody else. Like instead of focusing so much on complaining about the problems around us, we should be the one creating new solutions for it and proactively looking for ways to help the people around us in every way. We should be the one filling up the town committees. We should be the one signing up and volunteering on the PSAs. We should be the one that if we see a problem, we don't have to call the state to fix it. We can fix it because that's why God has sent us here. So about a year ago, I I sat down with the town manager of Bridgewater and I asked him what our church could do to help. And that's when we came up with the idea for all these... um, town events like the movie nights in the town and i asked him if that's something our, our other grace church locations have done would you guys want he said yeah we don't have anything like that really um in fact last summer the top four events that the town put on uh the fourth of july parade uh and then two three and four were our movie nights um and uh, yeah, i mean we can laugh at that but that's the truth like that's what we like that is a huge need we get to meet but i said individually what can i do to help and he said, well, what are you passionate about? And I said, I, some, something I'm passionate about more than anything else is community, is bringing people together. I just want Bridgewater to be a place that more families want to live in because there's stuff for them to do and places and healthy environments for them to connect with each other. And so that's when he said, you should consider joining the cultural committee. I said, I don't know what that is, but okay, I'll do that, whatever that means. And so all of a sudden I'm on this committee with, with four other people And our first meeting. This is no joke our first meeting, the three people that were on the committee all quit. And then they said, you guys are in charge. And we're like, we don't even know what this thing is. And they're like, well, I'm done with this. I've been in this committee three years. I was like, did you do anything? They're like, I don't know. And then they left. So now it's me and these four people. And we talked to the town manager. He's like, do whatever you want. Here's a budget. We're like, really? This is how this town works? Okay. Okay. What's been cool is what this committee has been able to do when you have five people coming together who are passionate about reaching the town. So has anybody heard of the Bridgewater Music Alley? That was, started by, that was started by this committee. That's every Thursday night. It's free live music in the Bridgewater Center with food trucks and stuff. That was started by this committee. Here's an insider tip. Don't tell anybody, even though this is going to be online, but don't tell anybody. Uh, our committee right now is actually talking with the state and applying for a $2 million grant um, to renovate... Uh, the old Bridgewater Town Hall in the center that sat empty, do you guys know what I'm talking about? And turn it into a community theater. Um, Wouldn't that be cool? Because there's nothing like that in the Bridgewater, like like our our thought is, and the research shows, that if we have stuff like that in the center of town, people are just gonna connect more with each other. See, I I, I take responsibility, because this is my town, and I want this to be the best town in the South Shore. I want this to be the kind of town that families want to move their families to, because it's got great schools, And because it's got great community opportunities. And because the neighbors love each other. And I don't just aspirational want that. I feel responsible for building towards that. Here's the reality. That committee of five, I'm the only Christ follower on that committee. Which reminds me that those who are spiritually disconnected, they're outrunning the church when it comes to their involvement in the community. And I don't mean to say that to guilt us. I mean to say that because I think there's some, like right now in this room, you know, like I, I need to get more involved in my kids' school. I want to get more involved in my community. Like, like some of you, you love your town so much, and you're loving it from afar. Like, step in and play a role in building it. That's the responsibility that he's talking about here. Verse 17. The disciples complain again because they still don't get it. But we only have five loaves of bread and two fish, they answered. They forget that they're with Jesus, who just keeps multiplying stuff like crazy, and they just forget it every time. I don't know why Jesus chose these guys. Verse 18 bring, bring them here, he said. And he's probably saying it like tired, exhausted. He's like, if there's anybody should know what I'm about to do, you guys have seen me turn water into wine. They're like, what are we gonna do, Jesus? Like they just keep stumbling over themselves, and here's what he says He told the people to sit down on the grass. I don't know how he was able to tell thousands of people to sit down on the grass without a microphone. His voice must have been louder than mine, but he did. He told them to sit down on the grass. Jesus took the five loaves and the two fish, and he looked up towards heaven. Well, thousands of people are probably staring at him being like, this dude is crazy because he's got a few loaves and we're hungry and like, let's get out of here. And they're like, like the husband's elbow and the wife, it's like, listen, I got some uh, bread at home and that's not going to get to us. But Jesus does this thing. We don't even really know what it looks like, but it says he looks up towards heaven and he blessed them. Then breaking the loaves into pieces, he gave the bread to the disciples who distribute it to the people. Another sign of a growing Christ followers, I care for the disadvantaged. I care for the hungry. I care for the people around me that don't have food. I don't just outsource it to the food bank and say, oh, we got plays, but I I actually take responsibility for that person, for that family. That's why we say at the end of every service here, if you need help, we will help you. If you need groceries to get through the week, come and find me in the Connection Center afterwards. We will help you today, whether you've ever talked to me before or not. We don't care if you go to Grace Church or not. We want to help you. I don't want anybody in this town to go hungry. I don't want anybody in this church for their utility bills to be turned off because they can't pay it. We'll help pay it. I don't want anybody to be kicked out of their apartment. We'll help. And it's because of the generosity of the people in this room that we can be generous back to you because we feel a responsibility for you, whether you call Grace Church your home or not, whether you're visiting for the first time or you've been coming here for years. we're We're responsible to take care of you, and Jesus models that for us. That's why we partner with local ministries and organizations that do a really good job of serving the needs of their community. I think of Teen Challenge in Brockton. Has anybody know Teen Challenge or heard of Teen Challenge before? Oh, a bunch of you guys. Teen Challenge is such a fantastic ministry that exists to help serve and help families who have struggled and are struggling with any type of addiction. And they walk alongside them, and they have recovery programs, and they have like live-in housing to help them walk out of that. And some of your families have been affected by that, and that ministry has transformed hearts, so we're going to come alongside them and help them however we can. I think of the well in Bridgewater, does anybody know what the the well is? That's another one of our ministry partners. The well is a counseling service, it's right next to Bridgewater Pediatrics, it's in the same building, that exists to help families and individuals who are struggling with any type of mental health. Now the end game and the ultimate goal is that those people are able to be healed from their mental struggles and pointed towards Jesus. But that doesn't mean that every person that comes in we have to preach to because that Jesus doesn't even do that here Anxiety is an epidemic now Depression is sky high like depression is at like an all-time high and I said this a few weeks ago like if if you are struggling with that and you need help We have resources to help you with that and one of the greatest resources is the well counseling center And, and they take insurance like they, they can help you. A lot of times people can't get counseling because they can't afford it. That's not why the well exists. The, the family that started it goes to Grace Church. They're in my life group and they've never taken a dollar from it. They raise all the money because they just wanna help families. That's why we partner with ministries like Keeping Pace, which is the thrift store in West Bridgewater. Has anybody ever been there before? Yeah, a bunch of us have. That's a family uh, Steve and Pam Pace started um, several years ago because they felt such a heart. They're full-time realtors, so they don't get a dime from this. Um, they give towards it, and, they, and, they, and then they, they do everything they can to make sure it sustains. Their heart is for young families with kids, because there's a disadvantage there, right? Young parents, aren't you immediately disadvantaged when you have a baby? <laughs> like, even if it's both of you and just one kid, you're immediately outnumbered, right? You're like, okay, well, I thought this would be easier than it was, and we were wrong. So if you're married without kids, enjoy it. You're about to be disadvantaged when you have a kid. It just <laughs> happens. Even if the number's in your favor, it's not really in your favor. That's a disadvantage. It doesn't mean you have to be physically or mentally disadvantaged, right? Like, when you're a young parent, and those of you that have, like, have aged out of it, now your kid's a little bit older, like, you know what it's like, and you have compassion for that. We have parents in our church that, like, offer to help watch our kids because they remember that hard season. It's really tough. Even a date night is, like, hard to have then. So they started this thrift store just to serve families with multiple kids, because they realize the disadvantage there, especially for single parents. That's why if you're a single parent here, I feel a higher responsibility to help your family, to step in and help however I can. Please let us know we want to help. We do not want you to struggle on your own. We want to walk alongside you. We want to carry that with you. That's the responsibility we feel. Verse 20. They all ate as much as they wanted. And afterwards the disciples picked up 12 baskets of leftovers. About 5,000 men were fed that day in addition to all the women and children, which means probably over 10,000 people were fed that day because in that day, the only people who were counted were men because they were the only ones that were educated. It didn't mean women didn't count. It's just they just tracked men because they were educated and the ones that got jobs. So 5,000 men meant 5,000 families. So there's probably over 10,000 people that were there that day that Jesus fed. And notice something here, by the way does Jesus preach at them afterwards does he do like a bait and switch where he's like now that you're here I'm going to tell you who I am has anyone ever been to like a bait and switch church event I have or like I thought I was going to a haunted house they're like actually this is a hell house and then the last room they said if you don't repent you're going to hell I'm like I'm getting out of here those things exist some of us went by accident that's not what Jesus does here He has an, which is bizarre to me, actually, because he has an opportunity with thousands of people there to say, I want to tell you who I am, but he doesn't. He just lets them go. Why does he do that? He actually answers that a few chapters later in Matthew chapter 22. You don't even have to turn that. I'll just put it up on the screen. Jesus shows us why he does things the way he does. In Matthew 22, 36, there's some expert religious law leader that, uh, that that comes to Jesus and tries to challenge him. And everywhere Jesus goes, there's these Pharisees that are just trying to trip him up. And this is one of them, where he's trying to ask a question that Jesus can't answer so that they could say he's a heretic. They're looking for ways to arrest him. And Jesus always dodges it so well. Um, It says in verse 36, one of the experts in religious law tried to trap Jesus with this question. Teacher, which is the most important commandment in the law of Moses? Jesus replied, you must love the Lord your God with all your heart all your soul and all your mind. This is the first and greatest commandment. A second is equally important. Love your neighbor as yourself. The entire law and all the demands of the prophets are based on these two commandments. So Jesus gives two answers to one question because you can't do one without the other. The best way that we love God is by loving the people around us. And the kind of love that God wants us to give comes from loving God. So he says the greatest thing that we can do as his followers is to love our communities, is to love our people around us. It's not to preach. It's not invite people to Grace Church. That's not the greatest commandment. It's to love. And sometimes that simply means loving them. And we don't have to wear a Grace Church t-shirt and say, by the way, this love was provided by Grace Church. We don't do that. Jesus didn't do that. He says just to love. You know why? Because love transforms hearts. That those of us that are in this room that that have said yes to Jesus, it's because of love. It's because love transforms communities. Love is enough. Love is powerful enough. Because the kind of love that Jesus calls us to show towards the people around us, that's different than what the world shows. And that's attractive. And it's like a magnet when the world sees it and says, if those people if those people love like how Jesus loved, I want to be a part of that. It draws people in. That's why Jesus shows us this. That's why he says take responsibility for the people around you. That's why he says love the people even if they don't love you back, even if they grumble, even if they make fun of you for what you believe. You keep loving because Jesus did that. Jesus even loved the religious leader who was only there to try to trip him up. He was an enemy. At one point, Jesus looks that guy in the eye and he says, Love your enemies. And that guy's probably confused because he's never heard that before. That's the standard that God calls us to. Not to complain, but to change So, let me end with a few questions that I just want you to to think of how you would answer these individually for yourself. And this might be something you need to circle back to, because I do believe that in a group this size, God's going to speak to us in all different ways. And I think He's calling some of us to step up and take action here. What can you do to bless your town? To bless your neighbors? To bless the people around you? Whatever town you live in, whatever zip code you come from, what can you do? God has given you passions and gifts what can you do to individually take more responsibility for your community? How can you care for the disadvantaged around you? Here's what I love about God. He gives us all different hearts for different things. So like you might be really passionate about something that your neighbor's not. It doesn't mean that they love Jesus less than you. It just means that that God's wired them differently. And so you might be really passionate about some injustice or some disadvantage that somebody has to walk through, and God has given you that heart for a reason, you need to pay attention to that. That's not by accident. You need to pay attention to that. Some of you have walked through significant struggles, and now God's saying, okay, you've gotten through it, I've helped you to get through it, now you help others that are going through that right now. How can you help with that? Let's stop complaining about the problems around us, and let's start creating solutions let's stop sending people away and saying they can they can figure it out on their own and saying no 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 we're responsible let's pray together